0: joined us we are live on iHeartRadio and amfm247.com we have jeremy hartner with us today we also have dr jay Izzo and um jeremy first of all give us a little bit on your background and then um uh, me and jay are going to ask, ask you some questions we'll have a uh a fun conversation with you here
1: sounds good can you guys see me okay
0: uh it's it's radio so we don't really need to see oh, you gotcha. but uh but 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 you sound excellent
2: so uh, yeah, Thanks so much. I, by the way, I, I, I can't see you, and I'm actually glad that I can't, Jeremy, because you're going to put us all to shame. So, actually, no. it's really happy hearing your voice, and it's really clear. Well, I got you. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
1: <laughs> thanks for having me on today. I appreciate this opportunity and you guys uh, reaching out to kind of do the story.
0: Now, um, you've got an incredible background, an incredible strength background. Tell us about it. T- 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 tell us about your strength background, Jeremy. Uh, you know,
1: my strength background, I was very fortunate. Um, as a middle school athlete and high school athlete, I had some really good coaches that went above and beyond for me. And I was introduced to strength training at a very young age. And most people thought that, uh, I shouldn't be doing that stuff or that the coach that was helping me out and some other wrestlers at the time, that was my background. Um, shouldn't be doing that type of stuff. You know, we're too young and all these old wives tales and myths and stuff about how it's going to hurt your child's growth and everything like that. But, um, we pushed it, and I became one of the you know better athletes in my school because of lifting, and it really affected uh, my wrestling my sports so much and changed my entire life from my confidence all the way up that uh, when I got done with the sport of wrestling, I chose not to uh, go on to the college level after looking around at some scholarships that were offered to me, but I wanted to take strength training to the next level because of the impact it had, and it was just amazing what it did for me, and I, I just wanted to keep going with it.
0: Now, uh, having having the background that you do in uh, in, in, in the world of of lifting, um, yeah. what what was some of the some of the different challenges you faced when you first started? You
1: know, there was a lot of challenges. I, I luckily I got in with some good coaches, but it was a time when I was leaving for college, so I kind of had to find my own coaches, and we didn't have a lot of the uh, you know social media stuff that was available. So a lot of mine was reading, talking on the phone you know, sending private videos, trying to get as much information as I could because I was away at school and I had just gotten in with some really good lifters. So it was just a challenge to basically go out, make no excuses, find my own coaches, find the best way to train. And I was lucky along the way to uh, a lot of people won't turn you down if you're real nice. And, you know, you really show a good work ethic. And that's the way I treat my athletes right now is, you know, the more you kind of put in, the more people open up their doors for you. And that was a big part of how I was able to get my success.
0: Now, Jay, go ahead and jump in there. I know you got some yeah, questions for me.
2: Well, yeah, what I was going to say is, Jeremy, I said, you know, way back in the day, because I'm a yep. you are, there was a man by the name of Dr. Greg Shepard who did a book called Bigger, Faster, Stronger. Oh, right? yeah. I don't know if you remember that or not, but it yep. seems to be common, because he seems to be kind of actually the basis for a lot of us who... Either lift, power lifted, or that was part of our routine when I played football in college and that type of thing. Doctor Greg Shepard and I actually went to see him in Seward, Nebraska. And one of the things I I think is very consistent with what you're saying is any time that I reached out, and this is again before social media, any time that I reached out with like you know I'm interested in you know how to better my technique or you know how I can maybe add some more strength and maybe a different way or what it can supplement with. It was amazing how these people who are ordinary, like Dr. Greg Shepard, who would immediately write me back or give me a phone call or something that would say, "Hey, thanks for sending me the note. You know, I would love to just chat with you for a few seconds, and and give you a few minutes. Tell me what you're doing. Tell me how it's going." And I, I was amazed. I, I just think it's a great group of people, and you seem to be one of those people who is also that offshoot of that that you're just willing to give of your. You know, some time and, and information just to to make people better, and I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I, it was just, like I said, very fortunate like you were, you know, when people would reach back and, you know, you kind of want to go further and further, and the success I had personally just drove me to do that more and more. And part of the reason I have with, you know, my three world-class lifters that I have now was, you know, I don't charge them a dime when we do stuff. It's part of me giving back because so much was given to me for free, you know, people's free time. Now that I've grown up an adult, I realize how important – free time is especially with your family and for these guys to do all that stuff and help me out just like, you know, um you were being helped out just as simple as that. Uh it's part of what I do and but I, you know, also have a demanding schedule and uh my athletes that are around me, you know, they know to work around it. They know to be there when they're supposed to be there and they know not to waste my time or I don't have time for them.
2: Yeah, but you're not I mean, yeah, I know that you do give back and I know that you train these folks and I know that yeah. you know. But you also have a gym. And right? I mean, you yeah, have a so-
0: I mean, I'm a, I mean so, you make
2: money from that, right? I mean you do you, it's a business.
1: Yeah, but my lifters that I have currently on my world team for powerlifting. Right. Um so I'm a teacher and a coach and a strength conditioning coach and I have my private stuff that I do, but those kids I saw as an aspect of me giving back to what I was doing. Okay. So when we go to meets and for their training, I have my own private stuff that I do. You know when other people come in, but that was something I had started with those kids, and I'm not all of a sudden going to change halfway through and say, "Hey, you guys got to pay me for this now." Oh and no! no. unspoken trust that we had.
2: No, that's not that's not what I was implying. Okay. I was in, I was what I was asking is I know that you do this for free, but I'm yeah. also trying to promote your other side that you actually have a business that you oh, want yeah. To do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually trying to give you a little bit of love out there oh. because I think you're in Franklin, <laughs> Indiana, right? And, yeah. Yeah. And you have a you have a gym there that people can. Go to and you train. You actually will do training, paid training sessions for folks, right? As as I understand that too, correct?
1: Oh yeah, we we have a lot of stuff. I have um, you know just competitive athletes that come in. I have competitive lifters that come in. um, You know, all around Indiana, even out of state. You know, I even have online training. That's a big part that has kind of really jumped up. That people want distance training because they want to work with a certain coach, and you know that's even something I've even further expanded on. Um, You know, a lot of CrossFit gyms bring me into coach their coaches just to kind of help them get started a little further. So, um, you know, you name it, I kind of do it all around for everybody.
2: Yeah, no, I, I wasn't implying that you were going yeah. to change your bo- model. I was just wanted to give you yeah. a little bit of love for your, for no, your time, time as well. But I do know that miss Dublin is one of your, uh, girls. And yeah. she recently, uh, I think she's 150. She's in one fifty six, right? Is yep. that what? Yep. and, She recently just killed it. Yeah. So why don't don't you talk about, why don't you talk about her a little bit and because I know you've got a couple of girls there that you have trained that have just, just really put themselves on the map as a result of your training. So why don't you talk about these girls and kind of what they've done and and kind of what you've seen in them. And I think also for the listener, I think there's, uh, and I'm just going to throw this in, I think. You know, a lot of times listeners are not really sure about girls and weight training. I think okay. there's still, I think there's still a double standard there when it comes to it. And yet yeah, there are some really tremendous benefits. And I mean, the gym world is huge, but I'd like you to speak to that as well. So let's, let's talk about the girls and then let's talk about how women and, and girls can get involved and what the benefits are for them.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I was uh, coming down here as a high school strength coach. Part of the reason they brought me in was to change the high school, the overall athletics, because it was something we were struggling in. And during that time, I also wanted to put together a winning team of my own because I was working with so many other teams. And Shelby Miles was one of my first girls to come through. And it was just something I noticed a couple of these kids were really outworking everybody else. They really stood out and they kept standing out. It just wasn't a week or two where they got motivated. And so after my first year here, you know, I I approached them and I said, you know, this is something I want to do for you guys. And I said, there's a lifting meet coming up. And a lot of them were unsure. They didn't know what it was. It was the first time they had any organization in this high school. And uh, I said, you know, just go. And I talked to their parents. And, uh, you know, we kind of took them to their first meets. And they really, really liked it. And then I actually took them to an organized USA powerlifting meet. And at their age groups, they were able to qualify for the national tournament. And Shelby was my only girl that, um, you know, even took it a step further and went to the national tournament. And from there she came back with some hardware, um, knew that she actually could place top in the nation the following year. And from there I had my other girls that had gotten started, saw that and they kind of followed behind Shelby. And she had such a great work ethic that they kind of looked towards them. And this wasn't for everybody. You know, there was like a select few that I, like I said, that I brought and then I invited to go outside just because of, honestly, their work ethic, um, a little bit of their background, And I brought these other two up. And then Chloe Dublin, she came in as a freshman, you know, an athletic girl. And I had these other girls that were competing. And I looked at Chloe. I said, you know, after a few weeks training in my weight room, most importantly was her work ethic compared to everybody else. I just knew she was going to be a star. And that was something (laughs) we joke around today. When she was 14, I kept telling her, you know, someday you're going to be a national champ. Someday we're going to do great things. And she had no idea what the heck was even going on. Mm -hmm. But she started coming in after school, doing extra work, started training with my other girls who I have brought up from the ground up. And she caught the bug right away after some convincing to go. And then, you know, we just kind of took off from there.
2: Yeah, because she's real special. She just, I mean, she just won. Um, an, an, I mean, she got herself some hardware here. Yeah. And uh, recently, too. And, by the way, I've I noticed that you teach kind of more of the sumo technique when it comes mm-hmm. to um, squatting. I, you know, that's, that's, that's becoming more and more popular. And, and I have a friend who does some training here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And he talks about how, you know, judges actually are starting to prefer the sumo technique, um, yeah. over, over traditional, um, techniques. But I noticed that you do it and I was watching her. She was so smooth, man. On her, on her final lift there, she was still smooth. I, I felt like she could have gone higher. I mean, she was, she was awesome. Chloe was absolutely awesome. It was, it was beautiful to see. Yeah. And so kudos to you, man. I mean, you know, you're clearly teaching um, amazing technique, and you're keeping these people, these young people safe. Yeah. And at the same time, they're getting stronger, and they're developing confidence. But I want you to address, you know, working with a female, um a young female athlete, address that from a coach's standpoint, and address, you know, you know, Maybe some of the differences between, you know, between training a male versus female athlete and maybe, you know, how about young girls who want, who are thinking about it? What, what's important there?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll start on the topic of your first one. So, um, you know, with girls and guys, it's funny. And I, I joke around this with my girls, you know, five or six years ago, when I came to the school and started this program, I said, I would have thought it had been the other way, but I had a majority of guys on my team and only, you know, a few girls. But, um, you know, the the girls, it's funny, they just... When you show them results and you get them results, they buy in a lot more. There's not too much of an ego as compared to guys. I mean, when they get competitive, my girls get competitive. You know, then the ego comes out. Um, but, you know, they they just seem to listen more. They seem to buy in more. Um, they understand that you don't have to sit there and be and tell them, hey, you have to be here at this time, or, you know, hey, we're training six days this week, or, you know, we've got to be in the gym for three hours, or, hey, we got a meet coming up. Um, They're a little, you know, they, they just seem to catch on more than some of my guys. The ego's not there. They want to listen to a lot of my girls, you know, when I'm giving them corrections over and over, especially how young they are, you know, I was such a critical part. And you brought up is, you know, how I've been able to keep them injury free. That's because I hammered technique and I still do this day, but especially when they're coming in at 14 years old and just learning the lifts, you know, there was one wrong thing. I would fix it. I would show them, you know, they didn't have a problem with being corrected where some of the guys, they get older, they get a little bit of an ego. Well, I don't want to do it that way. Um, (laughs) you know, that's not the way I learned or, you know, some other stuff that comes up. And it's just – it was kind of driving me nuts. And these girls just stayed by me. They bought all the way through. They got success, which, you know, bred even further success, and they wanted even more. You know, we talked about winning national titles and making the U.S. world team and going out there and, you know, winning medals on the world stage. And it it just kind of grew up. But uh, the girls, they just – it was funny because they actually liked outlifting the guys. And that's what Chloe and some of my other girls are known for – the guys will go over and ask them, hey, how many more sets do you have on your bench? And they said a lot, and the guys will kind of walk away or <laughs> come in. They're, they're nice about it, though. They'll just be like, hey, I'm going to use that platform if you don't mind the squat, or I'm going to deadlift on. And the guys will kind of, you know, they'll shake their heads, and, you know, they'll walk away because they have respect for them because they see the amount of time they put in on there. But I, I didn't think there was too much of a difference, except they're they're used to taking, you know, uh, correct criticism They're used to um, – you know, being corrected, they want to be corrected, and when they get results, they seem to buy in a lot more than some of my guys did.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I would imagine that's true. I think guys, uh, sometimes we you know, as a guy and as a, you know, former lifter, you know, I think, and I mean, I still lift, but it's not the same thing anymore in my age. But you know, it, we have a tendency to get locked in and we believe what we believe, right? Okay. And so. We had some high school coach who probably told us this is the way that we were supposed to do it. And then we have somebody like you who, you know, would, can actually correct us and actually make us better. And we won't listen because, well, that goes against what we believe. And, um, we actually end up getting more injuries. It's the reason, I firmly believe it's the reason why the recreational lifter gets so many injuries.
1: Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Is because they still have in mind that this is what they do and they don't understand body change. They don't understand body type, and they don't understand technique. And mm-hmm. I I see it so regularly uh, as I'm in the gym, and you know even today, you know I'm just watching that, you know even that twenty something right guy yep. who's trying to deadlift, and he, his legs are I mean he's doing good mornings with three hundred and you know twenty five pounds, yeah. and I'm like, right? I mean right my my back my back was hurting watching.
1: Yes. That's funny. That's a a quote I actually use when we joke around about some of the stuff
2: we see. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've been around it, you know, for 40 years. So, you know, in the gym. So I see it all the time. And I know, and I'm coming to a point here because you talked about that Chloe Dublin started with PVC pipe on her back with her squats. Correct. Talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so this goes back to development, and you know when we had these 14-year-old kids coming in, and I had large groups of instruction. You know, there sometimes were 40, 50, 60 freshmen in front of me at a time. So when you're talking about doing multiple reps and teaching kids the correct motor patterns from the beginning, when you're doing, they can't all handle a bar. Half of them don't even know how much it weighs, and half can't even pick it up. <laughs> so I went out and learning from other strength coaches with my personal background. You know, I started all my kids with that. They had to learn each step, and it was very. You know, frustrating. You know, I can't tell you every time a new freshman group comes in or the younger kids because they don't know, and it's just drilling over and over. And you can tell them over and over about how this is going to help them out, and I can have my older kids come in and tell them. But Chloe had to learn how PVC pipes. She had to learn where to put the bar on her back, how to sit back and to the left, how to keep a neutral spine so she's not rounding over like how you and I just talked about some of the people with these good mornings and this terrible technique that hurts our back just looking at them. (laughs) But she did for the first three or four weeks of her training when she was in front of me, every single day... If not every other day, at the very least, she was drilling with PVC pipes, deadlifts, squats, lunges, basic fundamental movements over and over. To, you know, You see the kids get frustrated and they get bored, but it didn't bother me because if you don't start any kid, guy, girl, any part with that, it's just going to get bad motor patterns. And then what's going to happen later on is you're going to try to correct it and their benches are going to go down, and their squats aren't going to be as good anymore because you're changing up the motor pattern, and then they get upset about it, even though you're pointing in. That happens with the majority. You'll have the few that understand and want to correct it, and they didn't realize it, but you've just got to hammer that technique over and over and over again. Then when we came in the weight room, I gave them light bars that were 25 pounds. Then I gave them regular bars that were 45 pounds, and then I made adjustments individually and, you know, Chloe's one of the ones that she was able to catch on because of her dance and gymnastics background. She was used to being corrected, you know, 100 times plus in a practice. So she took it as she wanted to get better, and we just slowly worked up. But then when I saw something I didn't like, I took her back down, and I fixed it, especially at that young age. Right, right, And right. this was the first meet ever, and Chloe and I had talked about this. This meet was three and a half years in the making. This was the very first meet where I actually let her lift near max weights. Oh, wow. Yes, well, 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 because well, you're bringing because you're bringing a young kid up. She's lifting so much more, and I keep telling her about looking into the future. And she had an understanding when she really got into this, um, you know, a couple years ago when we got into competitive lifting, and when we started doing these meets. And you know, why can't I lift more? Hey, oh, God, I could have done so much more. And her, even her parents were joking around about it. But I said, I'm not looking towards tomorrow. I said, I'm so sick of this with third high school Bennett. Coaches running, kids in the ground, so sick of dealing with injuries, you know, when I'm dealing with so many hundreds of athletes that I told her I was going to bring her along slowly. We did enough at the U.S. Nationals just to win and secure the world team spot. You know, we did enough just at the Arnold Classic that she qualified for. She's one of four teenagers, female teenagers in the U.S. to qualify for the Arnold Sports Digger Classic in Columbus. Mm -hmm. We did just enough there where she got a little bit more weight in her hands, she got confidence, but she still had a great meet and did what she wanted. And then I told her, this meet right now, I said, this is what three and a half years that we had been working every single day for, I'm going to say, I'm going to turn you loose. And she still went nine for nine, didn't miss a lift, didn't get a red light and still had a little bit more in her squat for sure. And a little, a little bit more in her deadlift.
2: Wow. Wow. So, okay. So let, let, let's talk about this for a second because you know, you get these young ladies and, and this could be, this is true guys too, by the way, I don't want to just single out the girls here on this, but, You get these young young ladies who come in to your gym, and they, you know, you know the parents. I'm sure parents are still parents. You know, they're they're girls interested in doing this, and they want to get this done. And here you are, Coach Hartman, and you are being Coach Hartman, who's going, okay, look, I'm 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 winning is great. I'm not against it. I'm all for winning, but I want to make sure that you know. This person has a really tremendous future, and so we're going to try to do this the right way. How much resistance do you get from parents when you start preaching that that whole thing?
1: Well, you know, that's the one unfortunate aspect that I didn't like about my position. Is since I have so many people saw 300 on a regular basis, um, you know, you talk to just a simple basketball coach who doesn't have that many players on his team, And by the end of the season, you know, the basketball coach is nuts or, you know, another coach is nuts just trying to keep, you know, that small team together and buying into his program and doing the stuff that they're supposed to. So you can imagine on a large scale with over 300 athletes that I'm seeing regularly. So you always try to get the message across. But, you know, there's a difference between perception and reality. Sure. And, you know, when I'm trying to teach these kids, these young kids, a good work ethic along with the proper technique, you will run into resistance. It is a change. There's all these old wives tales that... You know, I don't know why they're lifting or my daughter's a volleyball player. Why should she be doing this? Or why are they even lifting for <laughs> And you can only educate them so much without seeing all the parents and getting them to meet you and buy indirectly. And then, you know, I'm very hard on the kids because in my position, I only get scheduled for an hour. I don't get a regular coaching thing where I get to have the kids for two and a half hours. You know, it's kind of like, hey, group after group, or hey, I can only lift them for 45 minutes today. So you just do the best you can. You know, I sent stuff home. I've emailed stuff. I talk to the kids every day about doing the process. Uh, A big thing is I brought the older kids in to talk to them about it, how it's helped them with tennis or volleyball or, you know, even golf. You know, but you're still always going to get some of that resistance that parents don't think they should be lifting that or they shouldn't be lifting too heavy because they talk to so-and-so or their brother lifts weights and he doesn't agree with it. So you just do the best job you can. You try to cover all your angles. You try to get as much information out there as possible. You try to use the older kids as good examples. And, you know, you, you do, like I said, just the best you can. But you're going to run into resistance. You're going to run into everyone who's a fitness expert no matter what you do.
2: Isn't it funny? I, You know, my 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 background is in psychology, so my master's of doctor work is in psychology. Everybody is a psychologist, okay? But <laughs> yes. I, think, I think it's also true in your industry. Everybody Absolutely. is a freaking weightlifting coach, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, I want to, I, I heard you mention the word golf and giggle a little. And the reason why I say that is because everybody goes, Oh, you know, you, well, you know, my, my son or daughter, you know, they're a golfer. They don't really need to be in the weight room. <laughs> Ask Dustin Johnson about yeah. his workout regimen because yep. Dustin Johnson has probably one of the most intense uh weight training workouts by the way that you will ever i don't know if you've ever caught it but it is it is absolutely freaking amazing what he does in the gym and when tiger woods was at the top of his game his he was he was the guy who was literally the first guy who was literally beefing up in the gym yes. to to drive the ball further he was squatting he was deadlifting, he was power cleaning he was doing all these things and matter of fact as i i used to I was trying to do the long drive before a knee surgery, and I was meeting with all these long drive guys. And these guys who were some of the best, like Godzilla. He's called Godzilla. He's from Canada. The guy was five foot nine inches tall, but the dude could power clean like four twenty five. I mean, he was because of that quick power, right? Yeah. And I and I and I and I tell people all the time, stop believing the crap and stop believing. That that your brother, like you said, your brother in law or your cousin knows anything about weight training when they're not in it. Yep. Because you you're, you don't know you're hurting your child's chances of real. If you want this child to be a great athlete, you got to get them in the gym. Yes. Period. Period. They've got to be in the gym, and not only do they got to be in gym, but they need to be someone like with Jeremy, Coach Hartman here, who we're talking with on the Jiggy Jaguar show on iHeartRadio. But they need to be somebody with you who can safely train them to understand instead of throwing on how many times have you seen this, Jeremy? Where the young kid goes in and he just starts throwing on weight. And and just just starts starts in, right? I've seen this all the time where the young kids I'm watching dads, you know, making kids who've never lifted in a gym throwing weights on a bar. And I'm like going. You, you do know that, right? He's never lifted. He's 12 years old. He's never lifted. You know the bar's 45 pounds, right? And right. I mean, right. Nope. But you see But you've seen this, right? You have, haven't you?
1: Yeah. Yes. I see it. I see it every day, and we. That's why we have rules in my gym that, you know, we always do a bar warm up. Um, my, my kids in there, they know their warm ups because you and I've seen it. The kid throws a a 45 pound plate on each side, and he hits it for three reps, and you know his max is it for five reps, and next set he he fails on his second set and he's not even warmed up
2: right yeah they they don't get it so let's talk about let's let's break some myths i would love for you to break some myths because i think there's a ton of myths out there when it comes to weight training and i I think especially with kids i think there's one okay so myth number one here's the first myth the myth is is that you really shouldn't let a kid lift weights until really much later into the teen years break down that myth
1: Yeah, that's completely false from the beginning. I'm a prime example that I started lifting weights when I was in sixth grade. I'm actually taller than both my parents, you know, never had any surgeries, never broken any bones, um, was one of the most successful athletes in my high school because that coach had started me so young, and I had a base built so much from there. You know, one thing we start all the athletes with, especially the younger kids, so say you have the middle school kids coming in, is, you know, body weight. You know, I can't get these kids to even be able to do push-ups or pull-ups, so obviously I'm not going to put an axial load on their back you know, force the spinal compression, but I get them with a master of body weight. That's why my athletes come in that are like gymnasts or have the wrestling background for guys, and they're so much far ahead when I can transition them into weightlifting. But the young kids know, I mean, if you get them started with body weight, they're able to accomplish that, and you're teaching them basic technique with PVC pipes, light bars, and then you just slowly bring them up. You know, don't let the kids miss any reps. My young kids never miss reps. Even my competitive lifters who lift max weights, you will hardly ever see them miss reps in the gym. Yeah. You know, I always control my sets and they know that, you know, we're still pushing the envelope, but we're never missing reps. And definitely if the technique's way off, you know, I'll still even cut them off in, in between and we'll rack the weights, take time in between. But back to the younger kids, it's just body weight, you know, just have a basis of that. Because if you've never learned your ABCs, you're never going to put, you know, words together. If you've never learned addition, subtraction, you can try to multiply and divide and do calculus all you want. If you've never had that base, right. you're never going to progress further properly. So build that base with bodyweight training. Teach the kids technique with bars. Add weight as you see fit. Don't let them miss reps. Technique, technique, technique. As they mature more, I'm able to add more weight to them. You know, as their bodyweight training goes up, it's the same thing that I'm able to just kind of go a little more. Go a little more. Okay, our technique's bad. We're going to break this back down. We're going to start in this position. Here's what I want you guys to work on. Once I see that, then I'll let you put a five on each side. All right, oh, you missed a couple reps. All right, you know what to do. you got to take the weight off, go down until you can hit it correctly, and then go back up.
2: Okay, here's myth number two. Ready, Jeremy? Go break oh, this one yeah. down. There are certain sports where you just really don't need to be in the gym to lift.
1: <laughs> that's that's what I deal with every day at the high school, and I've brought college strength coaches down from the local area, Indiana University, University of Indianapolis, to speak to my parents when we have big parent meetings about that and telling them how they're all required, how at this level they wish that they had a foundational base like the one I'm giving them for that, but all sports require a base of strength. I work with one of the top speed coaches in the nation, Lee Taft, right now, and one thing Lee tells me, he goes, I can only show so much speed and agility training. He goes, if they don't have a base level of strength, he goes, Jeremy, I'm considered the speed coach, and you spend, we, we spend about half the time, if not more, in the weight room, because if they don't have a base level of strength, it's not going to help out with anything. I see overuse injuries over and over and over again with young kids coming in. Oh, baseball is the worst sport. drives me nuts. <laughs> you know, you, you just talked about it. I, you know, I've even had my coach, luckily I have a, a former Division One coach who actually went through a proper strength training program who preaches to our parents about not having the young kids play so much and get in the weight room more. Right. But all sports require a base level strength. You mentioned Tiger Woods. One thing I did for my golf team is I copied his book and I handed it out to a parent-teacher night where it talked about him benching over three hundred pounds for sets and reps. Right. And I gave his routine in there and I gave other examples of professional golfers. And guess what at the end? I still had parents who yeah. believed their kids should not be lifting weights for golf no matter what I gave them.
2: Right. So Yeah, well that's going to happen. Okay, ready, here, here comes myth number three. I love yeah. this this is this is this this is this is another one. Well I don't know that my daughter should actually do many leg workouts because it's just going to make their butts bigger. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I've gotten to the point where I've gotten parents upset because they had to go spring shopping for their kids because their daughter's thighs got a little big. <laughs> or yes, yeah, I've, I've had a parent write in about that. Uh, I've had one that a softball pitcher who was throwing faster than ever before. Her mom was a little upset that her arms were looking a big, little bit bigger, but she was throwing faster, better. We able to fix her shoulder, kind of overuse injury that she had, and it was driving me nuts that they still couldn't buy into that, but. You know, Chloe Dublin's a prime example. She's one of the strongest females and one of the strongest males, I, you know, all around in the entire school. And you look at her, she looks like a very athletic girl. You know, she looks strong. She's very athletic. You've seen her, but she's not this huge, big, and bulky. And that's something I preach to the kids about, the difference between guys and girls. And obviously when girls see the mainstream bodybuilder girls in society – who are obviously taking performance-enhancing drugs, right. but that's some of the other stuff I try to speak to them about. And again, I use my older girls as examples about how fit they are, but how strong they still are.
2: Right. Okay, here's the next myth. Ready for this one? Yep. I love this myth. This is, this is one of my favorites. Well, <laughs> if you have kids do squats and deadlifts, you know they're going to have back problems later on in life.
1: <laughs> that is the furthest thing. If you don't have them do squats and deadlifts, they are going to have back problems later on in life. Uh, We have uh, a couple of the chiropractors in the local area that actually come in and work out with me, and even when I've cleaned up their technique, you know, they love it because they're actually learning about the process because they know all the scientific stuff behind it, but when they're actually learning the correct ways to actually do it, and I relate it, you know, to them, you know, we throw in some anatomy, we talk about that, they're just amazed on that part, but... that's the farthest thing from it. And one thing I point out to my kids is when I'm talking about technique, I bring up some of those myths and that's one of the critical ones I bring up. If you squat too low, you're going to, you know, you're going to damage your knees. If you deadlift, you know, you're going to hurt your back. If you're doing it the wrong way, you know, after 10 years of being in the high school setting, I've never had a kid ever severely injure any knee or back. And you would think after going through my program for four to five years, something would have happened. Right. I've never had that in over three schools, and I can't even tell you how many thousands of athletes have come through my program, and they've lifted heavy weights. And I've had a powerlifting team on top of everything that I was doing with all the other sports.
2: Right, it, it's it's amazing, I, and I want to. I just want to contribute to this because I'm. Please, I'm in the fifty in that fifty year range, and I still deadlift and squat, and yes. I've had a total knee replacement, and I still free weight deadlift. I still free weight squat. I can't. Uh, the apparatus because it's it's big. I stand about six feet five inches tall, I'm about two sixty five, and I so I can't quite get down to the position I want to just because I have an apparatus. But I've been so. I've learned to modify, yep, and be able to still deadlift you know around four four forty four fifty and That's and awesome and squat around four twenty five huh. with free weights. So with a knee replacement, right? Yeah, and people have said, well, what are you, why are you doing it? Well, I was having some back issues. Mm-hmm. and I went to a, a orthopedic back surgeon, and he looked at me and said, I think you need to lift heavier. He said, I'm serious. He said, oh, I, think need to strengthen your, I need you to strengthen your core, because he said, yes. your back is a black box. He said, I could go in there and dig around, but he said, I'm just telling you, I can tell that you're, you work out a lot, and you work heavy, because he I just think you need to go heavier. I think you need to work on the balance of your core. He said, I think you need to really not be afraid of working that knee and allowing your back to take over. And um, it's been amazing. I've been, I, I don't even take ibuprofen um, because I've just gone heavier. And yes. I'm not, I'm not telling people that you should just go out and just do that. I mean, you, I've got 40 years of lifting behind me and yeah. training. So don't, I'm, I'm not suggesting that you just go do that. You need to hire somebody like Jeremy and, and help you with your technique and clean that and, I do a lot of my own video so I can watch my technique because I know that I've got some things i got to modify, Uh which is very important. But the, the, the truth of the matter is squatting and deadlifting does not hurt your back. Matter of fact, when done correctly, it can be the best thing to strengthen your back and it can strengthen your core. And the core is so important as we age. I really do believe in it. So I, I was, And I knew that's where you were headed with the myth because that's one of the myths that I think have. And I got, here's the next myth I want to throw at you. All so, all
1: I just want to touch base on yours if you don't mind. I have general fitness clients that come in, you know, just people that just want to learn. And I've had so many people with, you know, general back problems or they were in an accident or it's been bothering them for years, their entire life. Besides, and they all want to stretch or they don't want to work their back. If anything, like you just said, I tax those muscles even more because they've gotten so weak from not being used. Right. And I've cured more back injuries or more back problems for several years within the first couple months yep. because we got those surrounding muscle groups strong enough to take pressure off it. And the people are amazed, like, well, I thought I'd come in and stretch, and I didn't want to work my back because it hurts, and I was afraid to work this, and my shoulder hurts or my knee hurts, and I didn't want to squat, and I didn't want to bench or do shoulder press. And then a couple months into this, they're like, oh my God, years, this has been bothering me and I can actually sit up straight at work all day. I can actually drive my car and not sit there and twist and turn and, you know, crack my back. Or at the end of the day, it's not, you know, bothering me as much because I got those surrounding muscle groups strong enough to aid in that.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's so true. I I, I tell people all the time, they, they say, well, don't you have a knee replacement? I go, yeah, I do. Yeah, I have a knee replacement. And, and you still are deadlifting and squatting heavy. I go, yeah, yeah, no, I really am because my back feels really good
0: yes
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's my back feels awesome yes that's why i'm doing it all right so here's 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 the next myth and i know that you get this one all all the time and this is a lifter's myth okay that i want you to address yep okay you know i'm a lifter i mean cardio really i mean if i do cardio i'm going to lose a lot of strength so go ahead and talk to that one
1: You know, there's different parts. You know, obviously, if you're talking about, you know, being an athlete and running long distances and stuff, it's obviously not beneficial. You know, but we do, uh, you know, a lot of stuff with sled pushes and pulls. You know, everybody wants to run, run, run for steady state cardio, you know, for 20 minutes or just break a sweat. Um, Our conditioning gets done in about, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. Have you ever pushed a weighted sled? You know, back and forth yeah you're done in you know 10 15 at the most you know sometimes five or 10 minutes you get three or four trips in with heavy weight and you're kind of done yeah
2: i tell that people i I tell people i still flip tires right so i still see yeah and and i tell people i said just flip tires back and forth even a short distance i don't care maybe 30 yards i said flip them up and down 30 yards back and forth just do it four times just continually flip the tire and i don't care which weight you use i don't care if you use like you know, one of the three hundred pound tires that I like to flip or a two hundred and twenty five pound tire or a hundred and fifty pound tire. Just flip the tire. Yes. And just keep doing it. And and getting yourself engaged, get your technique right, get drop low, drop your drop your butt and get low in there. But just do it back and forth. Just just see how hard you'll breathe, right? Yeah. <laughs> because I mean it, it just takes away down And like you said, I've pushed those stupid sleds and, you know, packed weight on them. I'm just telling you, you go down the first time. It's like you've just run you know, a quarter of a mile flat out. Yes. Right? Is how it feels. Yeah. And you're exhausted. So, yeah, I think it's a huge myth is that a lot of people think that, well, cardio somehow is going to negatively affect, um, is negatively going to affect you in terms of your lifting. Actually, the oxygen getting inside your blood, and over the course of time, you may see a little bit of a decrease at first, but yeah. over the course of time, with the oxygen getting into your blood and oxygenating yourself, you're actually going to get stronger over the yeah. course of time. You know. Talking
1: about the sled work, I mean, my girls in their off season right now, where we don't have any meets coming up right away, you know, they're doing a lot of sled work at the end of their routine. They're they're pushing up what's called GPP as their general physical preparation. Mm-hmm. You know, they're getting their bodies in shape, but at the same time, we're still using weight, so we're still getting stronger. We're still taxing the muscles, not just doing a steady state cardio for twenty minutes. That when people think they go to the gym, that you know, that's another myth is the girls. And I've even had my girls that graduate, you know, graduated from my high school that. Yeah, you know, they, they immediately jump on it because, well, I walked in the gym and I started lifting, but all the other girls, you know, they're on this machine. And so I just, I just started doing that, and I stopped lifting weights, and they don't look half as good. They don't feel half as good. Uh, they lost a lot of their muscle mass, but, you know, that, that sled work back and forth, I mean, you're, you're building strength. You're building restoration, you know, in the body. You're raising general physical preparation, and your workout's done in more than, you know, less than half the time it would on any steady
2: state machine. Right. Okay. Okay. Here's the next myth. I love this myth too. Okay. You know, if I if I let my child work out, uh, Coach Hartman, yeah. if I let my child work out and they get all this muscle. You know, it's just going to turn to fat when they get older.
1: <laughs> oh God, you're, you're naming all the ones I go through. So <laughs> I, I laugh every time you tell me that stuff. So. Yeah. It's,
2: you think? Do you think I've been around this for a while? Because trust just me, a little first, bit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you're seeing it because I see it every day. You know, in the high school setting, which I choose to go to and it just drives me nuts or, you know kids are like that too well if i get too big and bulky, you know it's just going to it's just going to turn into fat later on <laughs> you know it's far from the truth i know i said no your workout you know your work ethic your habits your eating um, you know when the kids go off to college we all know this you know with their partying habits too that's what's going to turn into fat when you stop it with everything right. or if you keep doing the same eating habits and you're not doing any of the training anymore and you're adding everything else into it well, there you go. But no, when you stop worth and weights, you know, you and I have done it. Um, we atrophy. I atrophy right away. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. You know? I, I, I've i I've, I've used the example of putting a two-inch steak, right, like a two-inch filet mignon yep. on a plate. And I go, how long, if we sit here and watch this filet, will, it, will the fat start coming? Will it turn into fat? Yep. It's muscle. Muscle never changes its properties. Yeah. It atrophies but yes. it is not going to turn into fat. You are never going to take a piece of protein and yeah. you're gonna watch it somehow magically transform into fat. That's yeah. not the way. That's not the way it works physiologically in our no. bodies. It, protein is protein. Yes, <laughs> you can watch that steak all day long. You're not going to see fat grow on it if it doesn't yeah. do anything. I
1: tell you what, that's actually a great analogy. I'm actually going to steal that from you. Because You know, as a teacher and a coach, I use several analogies, and that's actually a really good one. So thanks for bringing that up.
2: Oh yeah no, no, no you're welcome because I, i've i've done i said now put now put a piece of butter out there, take just a big whole plug of butter yeah. I said, you want to see that turn into protein? We can yeah. watch that all day that's not going to happen either yeah. it's it's going to dissolve, you can heat it up, you can make it dissolve, you can get it smaller, but it's not going to change its properties yep. it's what the properties are what the properties are yeah. it's it's just it just that's one of those things that I find it funny all right here's here's the Here's here's the next here's the next uh, myth I think that probably you probably hear often enough. You know that bench press thing. We are never ever really in a movement where our back is supported, and then we're pressing up. So, really, what's the value of a bench press?
1: Yeah, I, I've heard that. You know, like um, I had trouble with my swim coach at first, but he ended up becoming one of my best friends with that because. Um, we had won a sectional tournament. We hadn't won a sectional since 1989. All right, we're not talking about state. We're talking about the local sectional tournament in the area, and that was one of his myths, you know, about that. Plus, hurting swimmers' shoulders with everything. Um, you're trying to get the kids strong at all angles, and I preach to my athletes about that. That's why everything we do is based off movement. Even my lifters, you know, everything is based off movement. Even our stretching is based off movement. We're not out there holding positions. I tell them if you look at athletics, it's about being strong at all angles. And the bench press strengthens up every single part. You're talking about your chest, um, you know, your shoulders. You and I have heard about people, obviously, with incorrect form over years of overuse, how it can, you know, hurt their shoulders if they're not doing it correctly or they have no idea about training. You know, I've seen that before. But when you're doing the bench press and as it relates to athletics or, you know, they say I'm not going to use this or it doesn't go in, you're still strengthening everything up. You can argue that about every single exercise we do in the gym, whether it's a leg curl on a machine, a pull-up or a chin-up um, you know, uh, lunges, you can just keep going on, back rows, uh, good mornings. You can name any single exercise, but you're still strengthening up the total body. You're getting them strong at another angle. You're still strengthening up supporting muscle groups that they are going to use when they go into their athletics.
2: Yeah, I've, I've also told people, I said, you know, I think the bench press, one of the things that people miss is it's actually a core thing. Yes, uh, it's re- it's really kind of interesting. I you can watch young people when they first start doing a bench press, and I said, you know what? I'm not worried about the arm shaking. I'm watching the middle of their body shake yep. because they don't have enough core strength actually to be even lifting the kind of weight they're lifting. I yep. said, you know, we've all been there, and I, I I said I can remember you know as a young person. You know, I've been there. I know what it's like to, you know. I mean, I had a upper. We had a bench press workout today, and you know, this weight got heavy. You know, we're <laughs> and I'm, I'm 53 years old, and you know, 305 pounds just gets heavier. I don't care yeah. what you say; it just gets heavier at the end of your workout. Yeah. And we're we're here bench pressing. My arms are shaking, but my core is stable. Yep. Then I watch somebody who's doing who's doing less than 100 pounds. Their core is shaking. And I know what that means is they need more core strength for their bench press. Yeah. I know that, that doesn't even sound – that sounds crazy, but it really is true. They just need more um, core because core is so – and we, we just talked about this. But core is critical to everything that we do in the gym. It is yep. absolutely critical, right? Well,
1: yeah, it's funny you're bringing that up because actually one thing, when Chloe and I were in Belarus um, in bench pressing for our listeners, uh, you get three attempts in powerlifting, you get, uh, it's a one rep max. So you always do a light opener, it's something, you know, you can get because of travel, weight cut, you know, you're in a different country, different time zone. Chloe's second attempt bench press, um, you know, our first attempt was 209 pounds, got that great. We jumped up to 226 pounds. Well, when you set up for bench press, it's a total body lift. It goes from your legs all the way up. And a lot of people don't understand that because they've never been taught or explained properly by a professional with it. So one thing Chloe did on her 226 pounds, it didn't look good is she wasn't in a tight position, and that means we talked about core, and people always want to refer to abs. Core is all the way around. It's right. lower back, obliques, abs. It's everything around that. the the whole thing, yeah. Yes. So one thing we had to do with Chloe's 226 is we only have a minute to decide, so she hit her lift. She came over and talked to me because we were either going to go 230, 231 or 237, and I said, hey, you need to tighten this up. You need to bring your shoulders underneath you. You need to bring your chest up to the bar, basically so everything in her core and in her back and chest was tighter. I said, if you do that, we can go 237. She goes, I can do it. So I put the number in for 237, and again, her 226 didn't look good, and I even had a couple of U.S. coaches you know, kind of question me. I said, no, you just wait. So her and I went backstage, and Chloe was kind of practicing, getting in the zone on her own, just standing right. up, practicing what she needed to do. She went out there, tightened every single muscle in her body, from her legs to her core, shoulders, elbows, triceps, everything, came up and nailed 237 pounds. It was a struggle, and it was a max. But, man, she came through, fixed her technique with right. her abs and her back, and that was all she changed, and she went up, you know, 11 more pounds there.
2: Yeah, so her whole, full core got engaged. And, yes. and it, it's really hard for people to understand that, you know, they lay themselves flat on a bench and they they just don't understand that their legs, their core, the angles, everything is so critical to that lift and it really is a a lift that's more than just your shoulders and it's so important. It's really, really an important lift for a variety of reasons. Let's talk about let's let's talk about another myth. And it's it's the myth of stretching. Yeah. Okay? Because there's a there's a whole bunch of stretching myths out there. One of them is well you know, the older we are, the more we should stretch. And, you know, the younger you are, you probably don't need to stretch as much. And then there's another one that says something about, well, you really need to, you know, stretch. You need to stretch for X number of minutes. So how do we handle all these different little myths and sayings about stretching?
1: All right. I can tell you I've gotten more kids, more athletes, and more people flexibility and more flexible and every other term you can think of by performing full range motion proper weightlifting when people come in and they say oh i want to stretch or you know i want you to stretch my kid or i want to get my kid more flexible mm-hmm. if you've ever seen a young kid squat and just get try to get to parallel or below you know especially the taller they are i've gotten more kids more athletes more general people flexible besides the strength train and everything else by performing full range motion lifts in a correct position And people are amazed about how that happens. And I I told them, I said, I'm not going to stretch. you. I'm not going to do that. We're going to perform full-range motion lifts, and you'll be amazed. Like, oh, you know, hips are a critical one, hamstrings. You know, the development, we're talking about sitting back into lifts. And for listeners that don't know, um, if you watch any of the videos on uh, any of the sites I have, you'll see my kids kind of sit back and sit into lifts almost like you're sitting into a chair. But I've gotten more flexible through that. And one myth, and this is where I discovered, and this is when I reached out to a coach, was I was having some just some general lower back pain and some hamstring pain that was bothering me a little bit. And I reached out to a guy who actually invented, um, who was in charge of doing bands. His name was Dick Hartzell for Jump Stretch Bands. He works with all the college coaches. He's kind of the underground guy that all the professionals know about. Right. And one thing he taught me was movement with stretching. And he was working with Jim Trestle, and Jim Trestle's at Ohio State. He works with a lot of colleges. They bring him in all the time. And we learn stretching through movement. Everybody wants to sit here and hold positions for ten, twenty, thirty seconds. I tell my athletes, "When in athletics, are you out there holding a position?" Never, never. Okay, when do injuries occur? When you are twisting, turning, landing, falling, getting pulled in a violent direction.
2: I was hoping you were going. I was hoping you were going to go here to the dynamic yes. stretch. I was really yes. hoping you were going to do that because the the biggest myth uh, out there is. Well, you know, we need to get on a mat, and you need to be on a roller, and you need to be oh. on this. No, 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 no. Actually, the dynamic stretch, folks. This yes. is when you're actually moving, turning, piercing, stretching your legs, going into the motion, actually doing motions while you're in movement. Yes. All right, and, and it really comes back to and it, and I write about this a lot in psychology, but it really comes down to Newton's law, first law of inertia. Mm-hmm. Okay, a body at rest Stays at rest. Okay? So if you're if you're stretching sitting at rest guess what the body's at rest yep but a body in motion stays in motion so if we're stretching while in motion what we're actually doing is we're actually functionally doing what we need to do to go through the course of our day and that's yep. not just for an athlete this is i don't care how old you are you need to you need to think functionally when i stretch the movements that you would do whether it's putting a box of cereal up on the second shelf or, you know, picking up a box off the floor as you move. I don't care what it is. The fact of the matter is the dynamic stretch, the movement stretch, is going to give you far more, um, the full range of motion in your lifting give you far more than sitting down and doing the old hurdler's um, stretch.
1: Yeah. And another myth that goes along with that, we always hear about how you should relax and you shouldn't push stretching. I teach my lifters and my athletes. Your stretching is still part of your workout. It's not the last ten minutes. We're just going to sit here and relax and stretch, and you'll feel better. It's part of our workout. Like my kids' hamstrings and hips. Like when we're actually stretching each other, it's another part of the workout. Yeah, and, and that's a that's a huge myth that comes because people. Oh, I don't know. That kind of hurt. Stop right. No, you got to go through that pain barrier. Just like if you want a good workout you got to go through that mental barrier as well just for weight training, cardiovascular, any part that's with fitness. Same thing with diet. It's the exact same thing with stretching. And Luckily, I reached out to a coach, again, like you and I had talked about, who took the time for free when I was in college to help me out with those. Not only did it cure my powerlifting and put years on my competitive career, I saw what he was doing with all these athletes, and it was just amazing because this was not mainstream. And He was stretching guys and putting them in positions they didn't want to be put in and he related to athletics, he goes, when you get your knee twisted, when you're this in wrestling or football, you know, you don't want to be there. He goes, but you've got to stretch just like you've got to work out and just like you compete.
2: All right, here, here's the, here's a big myth that I went through back in college and high school. You know, you're an offensive lineman. Your diet really isn't all that important. I just need yeah. the gym. Yeah. Talk about well,
1: that. Yeah, diet's huge, you know. Uh, you've got to get enough. You know, the, the common rule, and everybody should know that, is about getting enough protein in when you do stuff. I'm very fortunate. Um, I've made several contacts um, from some of my competitive lifters who are now sports dietitians at the university level. Again, not regular dietitians at, you know down the road who have their own office, but actual sports dietitians. And they've been able to change people because they teach them. Just like I teach them how to lift correctly, you've got to teach people how to eat correctly. They think they do, or when they're young, they'll get away with it because they're going to get results no matter what they do. And, again, this is what I haven't done before. I've always eaten like crap, and, you know, I'm still a good athlete. Well, mm-hmm. you're not a great athlete yet. Right. And this is an area that you need to work is, work on. You know, I, I was talking to my friend who's at the Colorado State University, and she goes around for the bigger guys, and she'll take food off their plates and put on the smaller guys and, you know, vice versa, where she actually has some athletes who are linemen that right. weren't eating enough when they thought they were. Right. And she has to actually physically show them on a profile what they do she will get them to eat correctly. They will feel better in their workouts. Their recoveries are better. I mean, you should see how much soft tissue damage is done, if you read any studies, um, because of simple dehydration with athletes.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dehydration's, the dehydration is huge. Athletes do not generally get enough, put enough water in their system, and then when even when they're forced to drink water, they won't drink water, and they need to. And it's yeah. It's, it's, yeah, we dehydrate ourselves. And I know that one of the... One of the big problems has been, especially in young athletes, and I'm sure you see this, right, when it comes to the diet, is they do not understand the protein, the imp- the importance of protein after the workout. They do okay. not understand how critical getting your protein in because you can't, you know, like, the, I, I, you know the dumbest thing I've ever seen. This is such a myth, and you're going to love this, I think. <laughs> I watch these kids drink these protein Shake things that they have in a powder. Yeah. And it's got, it'll say a hundred, you know, grams of protein. And you'll try to tell them, um, dude, you know, right? Like, you can drink a gallon of that and you're probably going to get about three grams. Right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. you're going to, you're going to eliminate all, all of that stuff, you know, just, you know, just urinating it out and going through the course of your day because protein can't. You can't synthesize that protein in that way, yep. which is why food, by the way, food is really, really, really good for you, good food. It really is good for you, and it is a great way to to actually, if we just ate right, we really wouldn't need all these other protein shakes. I am convinced of it, if we would just eat right. What, what, what do you think of that, your thoughts?
1: You know, my thoughts are this, is the first thing when people come up and ask, is they ask me and my girls, what do you take? They don't ask about, what have you done for the last three years of training? <laughs> what, what's this? How do you prepare for this? They go, what, do you, what are you guys on? What do you, what do you guys take? And we're involved with USA Powerlifting, where my girls actually get drug tested out of meets, right. you know, like random drug tested. Plus, they always get their in meets. Like, Chloe's been surprise tested twice, where they've literally come up to the gym, you know, knocked on the door and said, hey, you've got to stop your workout. You have to take up, you know, a urine test right now. Right. So it just drives me nuts. That's the number one thing that people come up and ask us and me, what did you take? What do you take? Or what do you guys honor? What do you think of this new supplement? I, it's an unregulated, non-FDA regulated, multi-billion dollar industry for a reason because of those kids. Yeah. And you said it yourself, food has got to be first, but they don't understand that. Now my kids closest to me and my athletes and coaches closest to me, they get that. Um, I didn't quite understand it when I was in high school. Uh, but I didn't have anybody working with me until I got serious with competitive powerlifting and actually had a nutritionist sponsor me. That was one thing where, I listen to this, I missed placing on the world stage twice. I was fourth both times at the world championships um, going through, and it was driving me nuts. I lost by five pounds. I lost by 15 pounds to make the award stand. Luckily, I had a nutritionist reach out to me, Sherman Ledford from Quest Nutrition, um, showed me what I was doing, showed me how I wasn't recovering enough. When I thought I was, here's what I had to do. Most people, I had to learn how to gain weight. He had me waking up in the middle of the night because he goes, what are you doing when you're sleeping? You're recovering. He goes, what happens if you don't eat? If I go through a whole school day, eight hours, and I didn't eat, he goes, how are you going to feel? I said, oh, I'm not going to work out. I'm going to feel terrible, angry, upset, have a terrible workout. Muscles aren't going to feel good. He goes, well, you're going through eight hours at night. Your metabolism is so high. So I had to force myself when I was training for the world championships to get up in the middle of the night, okay, and have leftovers, even though it's the last thing I want to put in my body. Right. Okay, go back to bed, but we made myself, basically what we took was my intensity, my training that I was doing in the weight room, and I put that focus into my diet. And after I did that, my recovery went through the roof, uh, my body felt great, my lifts felt great, and I placed top three in the world for the first time ever.
2: See, yeah, you know, I am convinced if we just eat the right foods, we just don't have to supplement. I'm just so convinced of it. If we'll just eat right. Yep. I mean... I know that that goes against every myth in the world that, you know, there's some sort of magic supplement. I'm just telling you, I, I eat right. Just eat right. Just eat right. And folks spend the money. I think the one thing Jeremy says here, if you're listening to what he said, go talk to a nutritionist. It's worth the money. It's worth the time because your son and daughter probably is not eating right. Yep. And, And I'm just telling you, and if they're not getting the results, I mean, look, genetics are genetics. I get that. You know, I mean, I, you know, some of us are blessed with certain genetics and others. Some people can run faster and jump higher and are taller, shorter. And I get that, but there's a lot that we can do to overcome things by just eating and yeah. diet. And then finding people like Jeremy Hartman who, uh, who can actually teach your young folks how to do lifting right and yep. be sport specific because i can promise you if you've been listening to the show we're here on the jiggy jaguar show on iheart radio if you've been listening to what jeremy's saying look you're not going to abs- lifting is important but we're not going to lift the same way for somebody who plays football that they're going to lift in the way that they play golf right it's just it's going to be two different lifts we're trying to do two different things because it's two different functional movements you may be doing the same lifts but it may be done in a different way exactly Exactly. So, so um, you know, don't discount things like the bench press, the squat, the, the, the deadlift, the power clean. Even in a golfer, you may not be doing it. You may not be doing the same weights or trying to achieve the same things, but they're all beneficial because what we're talking about is range of motion, core strength. Yeah. And Jeremy understands how to build these young people from the ground up. He even starts with PVC pipe. If you haven't... Go to Hartman Performance on Facebook, and you need to check out Chloe Dublin because she's um, on there, and he's got some great videos. And as a social media psychological guy, I just want to tell the listeners out there you need to go check out his stuff. Check out Hartman underscore Jeremy on Twitter. He uh, talks regularly there. Go to his Facebook page. He's got just great stuff on his, the Hartman Performance. Uh, Facebook page. It's it's great, great stuff. Jeremy, you've been a tremendous guest and um, I just want to thank you for your time uh, with us today because you've been absolutely fabulous and thank you for busting all those myths. I knew I threw some things at (laughs) you that you were probably not ready for. Yeah. You you handled those um, so well, so I just want to say thank you for that.
1: Yeah. Well, I thank you guys for just this opportunity to go on. I'm glad we talked about you know all athletics, I'm glad yeah. you asked about how we actually brought Chloe up, not just you know what does she take or what you know what's her it's been a long process that people don't understand it's they never see they only see the result. They haven't seen the last three and a half years of you know five to six days a week, two to three hours a day um you know with her and my other girls that we've been able to do this and set a landmark in powerlifting that's never been done before, having three girls on the u s World bench press team and having three girls from the same gym in a small town you know, on the U.S. World Team, and it's been all about development. You know, that's been key from the ground up. We've talked about nutrition, you know, their training, how we started them off, how we brought them up through uh, just their dedication above all the other kids, and everybody only gets to see the results and make assumptions, but it's all the stuff that happens behind the scenes that, you know, was a culmination process. So I thank you guys for recognizing her my other girls and, you know, the overall part that I've been trying to play with young kids' lives and give back to what other coaches had given to me for free.
2: Yeah, there's something to be said about commitment, right? I mean, Jeremy, I think what you just talked about here is, and, and folks, you can understand what commitment means. Commit means that you don't always feel good, <laughs> but you're going to do it anyway. Yep. And uh, you don't always feel like doing something. You're you, There are going to be days you're going to cry because it just doesn't feel right. You're going to fail a few days, but you stay with it. You keep going with it. You stay committed to it, even in those days. And so if you want to teach your son and daughter something, and this is something that I've said since I've been training in the gym for over 40 years, since I've been 12 years old, is this. If you want your son or daughter to have confidence, if you want them to learn about commitment, if you want them to learn how to be a better person all the way around, Find yourself a good coach and get them into the gym to learn how to lift because it can be a life changer for them, an absolute life changer. So find Jeremy Hartman. He's a great guy and he's willing. I'm telling you, if you if you get on his Facebook page and you just say, hey, Jeremy, I am struggling. Who would be somebody you would recommend that I could talk to about my son and daughter doing this? I'm telling you, Jeremy will answer you. Absolutely. So find him on Twitter. Find him on Facebook. Talk to him. He's, he gives back so much. So Jeremy, I just, with that, I just want to say thank you so much. Uh, you've been a fabulous guest and I wish you all the success in the world. And please, people, if you're in Franklin, Indiana, I want you to quit your gym and go to his gym and I want you to hire him. Okay. I just hire him. He needs to make money. He's, he's only doing the school thing. So come on, help him out. Hire him as your personal trainer. He'd be awesome as well. So I'm um, trying to just give you a little plug there, Jeremy. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Well, thanks a lot. James, do you have anything for Jeremy? No,
0: you've answered everything. Jeremy is amazing. Uh thank you, brother. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, well thanks for reaching out and thanks for, like I said, recognizing the girls, the hard work and you know, everything in between. You guys have been awesome. Thank you.
0: Definitely. Well, uh, as we wrap up here with Jay Izzo this week, uh well what 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 did you think of Jeremy? He was amazing. Richard, hold on just a second, sir. We're going to be going to Richard Curse Tragies Tragedy's PR here in just a few seconds, and uh, we've got Jay Izzo with us. And uh, Jay, uh, as we wrap up here, what what what
2: what did you make of uh, what did you make of Jeremy? Well, he's an extraordinarily knowledgeable guy, and yes, we didn't very much we didn't so. we didn't talk about this, but he has a track record of hard work you could fill up a large room with all the hardware he's won from powerlifting competition